Previously on Todd Rumbus's Bram Stoker's Castlevania. After Dracula was brought to life, he left the town hall, but left some skeletons to take care of Simon. You will now suffer for your interfering. Simon whipped those bad bone men and the evil Skelly Mayor. But the Skelly Mayor had a trick, and the trick was to bring the dumb villagers to life as dirtbag scummy zombies. Simon had an injured whipping arm and was in a load of crap. Ah! But a mystery girl arrived and offered some intense axing on the zombs. Bolt out of his grasp, you lunk, or be left for your grave. But the fight was still overwhelming, and another guy, who was also a mystery, showed up. He looked at those damn zombs and ate their lunch in a most holy way. So begins episode three of Todd Rumbus's Bram Stoker's Castlevania. Simon and the two mystery people, a girl and an old guy, walk through the evening streets. No other villagers walk the old-time rock lanes. No horse angrily carries weighty men. There is both silence and the obese bustling of death. It is like there's a black curtain over the village and moon, but more like a black blanket thumbtacked to the wall because this stupid cheap village won't even buy a real curtain. Simon is dealing with a lot of shock right now. Not only was all the skeletons and zombies and battling something that started off as a good time, but then was like a boring Sunday school, both teachers that are wanting you to die. But also, Simon has injuries that are thumping with blood. The three do not jabber away. Simon began to ask a bunch of queries to the mystery people, but the old guy was like, Shut up and be quiet right now. You're badly on my nerves, ATM, and all will be revealed anyway. Simon looks to where his quiet home was as they pass by. It looms emptily. He thinks about going inside to get his things, but he somehow knows that the time for things is over. His face is forsaken. A sad desert. The party of three keep moving, and then Simon sees the town church and his mind now understands that the old guy is a holy church man. Simon gets guilty inside because he doesn't even try to go to church anymore. None of the town did. It kind of seemed like the last time he remembered being there was when he made an elbow macaroni craft with glue and glitter for his aunt and uncle. They didn't do much but go, oh yeah, pretty good I guess. This is a very useful skill. And his fears are right because they go right into the old church building that is a little crumbly with dusty windows that maybe someone had thrown a baseball into. The doors shout their squeaks as they open. The inside is lonely and spooky with darkness. Sister Ruby, I light the torches. Simon has an echo thought. Ruby, that must be this mystery girl's name. Simon doesn't see Ruby move, but the torches on the wall poof into fire. Just like the outside, the inside is like a chips ahoy that has fallen behind the counter. It was once a thing of glory, but now, it's not very appetizing. Welcome, Simon, to our home. I have fear that it is quite musty and will cause sneezing, but it is all we have. But Simon doesn't feel like sneezing. He feels like getting some damn answers. Look, old man and Ruby. 
I have thanks that you two were there to help me kick ass with those undead guys, but I basically have had it with the mysteries around here. Helped you? We did nearly 90% of all ass-kicking back there. The hell are you saying? I had those buttholes on their last hurrah! Better pipe down and give us respect, Buster. You're in our place now. The old man then lifts his roby arm in a whoosh of fabric that says, Silent, you fool children. Ruby, Simon, enough of your banter. I will wisely answer your questions, but why don't you take a seat? The old man points his big forehead to the dusty church benches. I ain't sitting in that big dust! Sister Ruby looks at Simon with flames for pupils in her eyes. She gets yelly pretty quickly, but Simon is hitting her anger switches too. She goes to strut towards him to give him a punch, but she stops when the old man is like, I got this. This guy is a priest, I guess, but he's a stern like a nun. Simon, you will sit. You will sit, and I will talk about everything. Ruby, please get the boy some water and stuff for his wounding. And you guys know that this flips Ruby's last anger switch. She is so pissed right now, lol. But we also know that not doing what the old man says is dumb. He has a mad wizard way about his aura. Ruby spins with her feet and is gone, and the torch flames dance with her anger that is in the air. We see the old man close up, and all his wrinkles and rooster skin. He looks back to Simon, with old man calmness and knowing. My name is Francis. Father Francis. Simon is now floating in the heavy deepness of Father Francis's presence. It goes along with the thing I said about him being like a wizard, but a wizard for the Lord. It's some deep stuff, but Simon really just looks stupid right now. Father Francis. Yes, and you already know that I know your name, as I've said it a few times now. But how? I've never met you. Maybe it is better to say that I know Clancy. Clancy Belmont. Clancy Belmont, your father. My father? What do you know of him? At this time, Ruby is coming back with some distilled water and a first aid kit with a big red cross on it. An interruption always happens when the talking is getting intense. Here are the healing items, father. Thanks you, Ruby. And did you bring the healing meat as well? Ruby huffs a tiny huff, but pulls out a big old turkey leg on a paper plate that is flapping over under its own weight. When he sees it, Simon forgets all about talking with Father Francis and feels hunger for food. He takes it and gives in to an animal eating display, with gross lip smacking and the whole pony show. Ruby is like, gross, but Father Francis is kind of looking at him like he's a cute dog. The lights out time is here, Ruby. Please clear the coats off the guest bed for Simon, who is a guest. Ruby doesn't even bother looking pissed. She knows it's like a bag of trash on such an unbotherable guy, so she goes to do her diligence. Simon relaxes a little as she dilly-dallies away. She has a spikiness to her manners, and Simon isn't too crazy about it. So she is your daughter? No, child. She calls me father from respect and dignity. Like you, she was an orphaned baby. She has been brought up by the church people. What there was of us still around. We were nice to her, 
even as she was an annoying child with anger and shouting, and she put anarchy stickers on her notebook. But she was also displaying lots of strength qualities and moral powers, too. I see. She is good with fights, too. You'd have joined the zombie team if she hadn't swooped into the place. Enough of this baby talking to me. I'm a man that can do man things. I don't need some oldie and a chick to help me with enemies. Simon, so fat with pride, you are like a great old toad. Simon could feel the guy is right, even though his emotions won't let him say it. He feels like a bad student, so he wants to talk about something else. But before he can, Francis is like... This place, it used to be pretty cool. It had lots of townspeople in it, bringing casseroles and other foods. Also, there were praise songs and worshipping. They were happy and good to needy people. Even children played around. Also, we even had a church rock band that made the old people get grumpy. Simon doesn't say anything. This guy is a weird guy. But some junk went down. Some people made their own church, but it wasn't even for the Lord. They gathered mostly to talk with the mayor and about money. Slowly, my nuns and other monks were out of here too. They kissed my ring, sure, but I knew they were on to more evil deeds. But stop with these amusings. You keep dangling a story of my true father. Your father was a wild man. A crazy man. These are the words I hear so much about him. Yeah, but they say you are too. But you also have a good heart and holy soul. Like my father before. Yes. Simon. Francis stands up to go talk out of the window. This means it's a damn serious and dramatic moment. What do you know of the whip you grasp? It wiggles with a weird old power. My dad handed it to me at the pool one time. Said it would be good for whipping the evil undead of the world, and by John it sure was. But then he disappeared and maybe died, so I can relate to a lot of pissed off songs. Ah, then the stories are to be believed. There are Belmont stories? More than for most families, yeah! And there are more to be written on. And what are these stories? Only that Clancy, Clancy Belmont was a thorn bush in the shoes of the town. He was into flipping tables when the townspeople were acting evil, so he was a lot like Jesus. But like I speeched about earlier, the town was gone rotten and didn't want some guy acting like the Lord or anybody else even kind of holy. Even though Lord Vlad Dracul had been destroyed in the battlefield, a crazy rumor started that your father had killed him just for a good time. It wasn't for a good time. That guy was mad with power. I remember that he told me. I am not in need of telling, Simon. Your dad met me like a Batman in the confession room late one night. He told me of the events, and that his life, and your life, and your mom's life was in total danger. He asked me to keep observance on you, which I did using pirate telescopes and powerful binoculars, but not at any naked times. You made sure I was a safe child. Francis nods his head like, 
Yeah, it was a big pain, but I'm not a complaining baby. And what of my father and mother? Francis speaks with big pauses because these words are a tragedy. That is what you know. The townspeople burned them up in a house on that bad day. Simon is sad about that. He's always been sad about it, but it is much like a memory coming back in the winter cold. Townspeople are so evil! Simon's yell prances through the echoey church. There is a moment of silence and Francis looks to the Lord like, Give me strength with this guy. He looks back to Simon. A forceful power peer presses them, Simon. It is true that they are dumb and that they didn't put up a shield against bad thoughts, but there is a bigger, more royal evil that held their hands as they strolled straight into darkness. What happened to them? What peer pressured them? Francis has a struggle thought for a moment. Some dark music sneaks in. The Count. The guy in that large, gross coffin? He has returned. But he was righteously whipped. And yet Dracul lives, Simon. Sometimes, movie people say, in this story, the setting or the place where the story is, is a character. It's a dumb thing to say, but they say it anyway. But in this Castlevania story, the lightning really is a character, because it actually makes a pretty cool decision about when to boom and make an entrance, not like a place that just sits there where people walk all over it. Anyway, the lightning thinks, yeah, this is a good time. That church man is speaking some dramatic speech. The lightning explodes and lights Francis on his face and makes him look so freaking intense and incredible. Simon can't even deal with this. His face is an army of ants having a panic attack. You saw the big figure yourself. But how can this be a truth? I do not know. I have long had a fear that his power's fingers reached past a mortal man. I was pre-warned on his unholy deals, but his re-rising is extreme. The townspeople helped out! They were bag boys on a demon mother's errand. The mayor, or the skeleton mayor as you may be more familiar, was his chief in command. He brought in a dirty plan, alright. And I am the boy to do it? The man to do it, Simon. You are now still with your childhood dreams, but you will come up to this challenge not because you think it is going to be a good time, but because you must. You must, or we are all a pile of dead. I... I... Me? Simon is stumbling with his mouth. What can this grandpa even be saying? Father. That is, Father Francis. I'm not able to defeat such a power. Then you give us the Christmas gift of doom, Simon. Doom. Some heavy music comes in here. Not metal music, but music that is sad and big. Simon feels the music because it's his heart that is playing it. You should rest, Simon. I have asked a good and holy favor of you, but perhaps the favor is too gigantic for any man, even a Belmont. Simon still struggles with his mouth and tongue. They will sing no more their words. He gazes around at the old church. 
and lowers his head in tragedy. The foot claps of Father Francis go lower and lower, fade to black.